0: Hello and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays. It's a weekly roundup of markets and ETF news. My name's Sean. I'm editor-in-chief here uh, at ETF.com. And wow, do we have a fun episode in store for you today because this week we're diving into everyone's favorite topic at the moment, AI, chat, GPT, other new hard-to-pronounce acronyms, I'm sure, and how that technology is not only the shaping of future, but much more importantly for us ETFers is how we can use the technology, to invest you know, in that future. And, and some of these companies that are forging this technology, which is certainly an area with very high potential, uh, and then just how the technology is actually selecting stocks and actually kind of the future of, of investing in, in for a lot of in a lot of people's views. According to ETF.com data, there are about 30 ETFs traded on the US markets that have exposure to AI in various different ways. They have assets under management of about $6.31 billion. So certainly a growing opportunity, a growing area of the market. The average expense ratio is around 72 bps. So again, not the cheapest on the market, to say the least. A lot of those are actively managed. And this week, however, we brought, brought in Jake Hanley. He's Managing Director, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Tucrium, which obviously deals with a lot of commodities ETFs. They have a few AI-driven strategies that passively track indexes. I believe we'll jump into that a little bit later, but want to welcome you in, Jake. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited, excited to talk AI and investing for sure. Sure, absolutely. So I,
0: of course, there, there's no other way to start off this podcast but by me asking Chat GPT obviously to create the best possible ETF. <laughs> obviously, Chat GPT said, "I'm a robot. You're an idiot. I'm not going to give you any recommendations." But when I asked it to create a market-beating ETF, uh, it said the market is just too hard to predict, which is true. Um, However, there are some ETFs that are aiming to do just that. We wrote a story a couple months ago on uh, one from ETF Managers Group. It's AI Powered Equity ETF. AIEQ that had been claiming to do that for the year. I think one of the most recently launched ones. Is um, Van Eck Robotics ETF I bought that launched last month. So some of these stocks, I mean, some of these ETFs are investing in the theme of AI, and some of them are actually using AI to create their ETF. That's right. So Jake, maybe you can just kick us off here with, uh, I mean, we hear so much about AI, right, and that possibly people are going to, you know, everyone's going to lose their jobs, and that you know it's going to transform, and you know, robots are taking over, and it's you know, the Matrix. (laughs) <laughs> what, what is kind of AI, if we can just take a step back? And then, you know, how impactful are these revolutions? What, what's your view and, and 2 creams view on, on the technology?
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. It certainly is an exciting time. Um, anecdotally, literally before this interview, I was on a field trip with my daughter's second grade class, and we went to an art, um, an art gallery, and the exhibit was AI-generated art. And I didn't know that's what I was walking into. Um, so talk about disruptors. I mean, this is a very nice art gallery in downtown Burlington, Vermont, where we're headquartered. Um, and their their leading exhibit was AI-generated art. Um, so really fascinating stuff. AI, to answer that most basic question, refers to um, computers' ability to perform tasks that requires human-like intelligence. And so that often involves... Uh, making decisions, and that's where we see it really impacting the world of of investing right now. Um, Human like intelligence, conversations, right? Engaging in a two-way conversation. That's what we see with uh, ChatGPT being a large language model. It's basically an ability for you to interact with the computer in a human way. Instead of having to type, you know, fancy codes or something of that nature, you can simply type in, uh, you know, tell me what was the hottest day in uh, calendar year 2022, and you know, it could come up with something like that for you. So AI at a big level is uh, computers using. Becoming more human-like in their intelligence, mm-hmm. machine learning importantly is a subset of AI, and machine learning is using algorithms to review large data sets that inform the broader, bigger picture AI. Okay, inform the the machine on uh, correlations, some important, uh, you know. The, uh, interrelationships between different data sets. The fancy word here is neural networks, right? All this data gets crunched. And that's that's part of the machine learning component to crunch all that data, come up with a decision and then say, was that decision the right decision or not? Right. And if not, now I have to change uh, how I go about viewing that data in the future. So that's the machine uh, learning component to it.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I used... To... Uh, I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but we had our, our ETF.com awards uh c- ceremony or event on Wednesday uh, on Tuesday night. And I gave I just gave a brief speech to kick us off, but I actually used chat. I just said, how can we create a speech for an ETF.com awards show? And it literally kind of spit out a framework of how to do that. I mean it's quite, it's really quite interesting. Where Where do you see, I mean, I didn't use it word for word, obviously, but it gave gave a pretty, pretty solid framework. Yeah. What are are the, so where do you see the most impacted sectors like broadly in terms of how this is going to change or shape the future?
1: well, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. One of the most intuitive, um, you know, places there is just that content creation. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I heard recently that the, the writers in Hollywood are are going on strike or were thinking of going on strike. I don't know if they still are. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're worried about losing their jobs with this type of technology. You know, I've used ChatGPT to say, write me a bedtime story for my uh, three-year-old son who really likes Spider-Man. Okay, mm-hmm. and it, it wrote a bedtime story about Spider-Man, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's, I think writing and content creation, um, that generative side of things is where it's really exciting right now, where you can give the machine a, a an input, ask it to do something, and it generates an output for you. So at the art gallery, that was a, a visual impression um, and content creation, you know, in written uh, words, essays, and, and things like that. That's where we're seeing the most impact right now because that's the technology that's broadly available to to us masses at the moment okay and so it's really important to go back to november 30th when chat gpt first came out i think it really took a lot of people by surprise at how advanced this technology is already today and that's why there's so much excitement and such a buzz around this because people are using chat gpt um, and testing it out and realizing holy cow this has some real powerful impacts, some big potential uh, to to really shake things up and to be a massive disruptor. And so initially, I think it's it's that the content creation side of the business where you know you're writing a lot, um certainly if you you're reviewing legal documents, you can copy and paste in the chat GPT, right? and it will give you the highlights and the key points. you know things things of that nature um, in the professional content creation industry, I think is where it's going to have the most impact near term. That said, to tie it to investing, what a lot of folks don't realize is that machine learning has been used by um, hedge funds, institutional investors for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. This type of technology, it gets more advanced every day, but it's not necessarily new technology, okay? it's it's ChatGPT is new to all of us, but the idea of using machine learning to help create uh, and help manage a quantitative investment strategy, that's not new. That's something that's been going on for a while, and we can we can talk more about that.
0: Yeah, before we dive into that, which I think is going to be super interesting. So, how for those of us that don't know, how does Chat GPT do that? Like, it I, I've had an to me like it's kind of like you're googling something, except Chat GPT just like scans all of the all of like the internet, I guess, and then takes up the, 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 you know, the the ones that, the pieces that you need and creates, you know, so can you just give us a brief description or explanation of, of what's going on behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, sure. You know, to to the best of my knowledge in, in a uh, kind of layman's way. Um and, and importantly, I did misspeak earlier. I said, you know, what was the hottest day in twenty twenty two? Chat GPT has been informed by a data set going up to twenty twenty one or through twenty twenty one. So it's really important to note that right now, at least the the model that's available uh, in the United States is not connected to uh, a browser real time. So you can't say, Hey, what was the stock? You know, what did the S and P 500 close at yesterday? You know, May 3rd, 2023. Okay. It doesn't have that up to date data. So what happens is you're, you're typing in a, a question and the computer is going back through reams of data, all the, you know, whatever's been uploaded into Chat GPT, including all the web based data that was available all the way through 2021. And it's using um, really advanced neural networks is, is the way to describe it. If you uh, can think of, you know, this idea of uh, little circles all connected by little lines, kind of like what an atom looks like, right? You know, those, those old mo- molecular models that you would see in your science class, you know, those are neural networks. And the machine is just going through trying to find the, the, the data that most closely aligns with what it thinks you are asking. Okay, and once it finds that data, it produces the output, and you know the more specific you get, sometimes the better results. Sometimes you know the the broader you get, um, it doesn't find exactly what you're looking for. So. There's there's actually a, a new industry out there. If you, you follow this um, AI stuff on on social media, there's a new industry that tells you how to write chat GPT prompts. <laughs> you know, people will sell you an ebook. These are the best ways to, you know, talk to chat GPT. But basically, all it's doing is it's taking, reading what your input is, interpreting it, running it against a data set and spitting out what it believes is the best answer based on all the data that it has available to it. Mm-hmm. Um which is truly tremendous because it happens instantaneously as as you saw with writing that uh that script.
0: Yeah, it really is quite impressive. Um okay, so we get a little bit now of, of what it's doing. Um so and we know we've had the algos and, and, and you know at the head fund and, and you mentioned all that. Maybe we should dive a little bit into that. So how is AI being used to beat the markets?
1: <laughs> um, so I love how you open that up to saying, you know, I try to ask chat GPT to make me a, an ETF that can beat the markets. Mm-hmm. The, the reason the machine can't do that yet is because financial markets are so noisy. Right. Right? And, and we know that just by, you know, turning on the TV and, and reading the Wall Street Journal every day. There's a lot of noise out there. So right. what is it that you actually need to focus on mm-hmm. to gain an edge in the marketplace over a specific time frame, and you know timing is always important, right? You know what, what's your investment time horizon? Is it today? Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it thirty years? Okay, so that's really important. The the idea of there being too much noise in the markets. That said, kind of as we were discussing, when you put in a command to Chat GPT, the more specific you can get, the better the output. So if you're focusing on a specific sector or a specific stock or a specific commodity in our case, then you've limited the amount of data that ras- rationally or reasonably should be impacting the price of that security. okay? So let's let's take for example um, soybeans. All right. Really exciting to talk about soybeans. I bet you didn't think you were going to talk about soybeans today. Uh, But the soybean market. Okay, there's a lot of fundamental factors that impact soybeans. Uh, The biggest one probably is is weather. Right. And so if if the machine is going to look at uh, the history of soybean prices, one of the factors that has influenced the history of soybean prices is absolutely weather. So the machine could say, "Hey, you know, soybean prices have spiked. Um, you know, back in 2010, and, uh, 2011, what was going on in in that time frame? Well, let's look at the weather from back then. Back then, we had back-to-back years of La Nina. Interesting. Do we have a forecast that says there's a La Nina coming? Perhaps, right? So that's the type of modeling that's going on. But it's not just weather that's impacting soybeans. It's what's the value of the dollar. What are corn prices doing? right? What are the correlations between soybean prices and shipping costs? So there's a ton of factors, even though we've limited the noise to just the soybean market, there's still a ton of factors to consider. Now the machine's really good at going through and running, you know, the fancy word is a multi-factor regression analysis, going back through history to see which of those factors and which relationships seem to have statistically statistically have the highest impact on soybean prices, okay? And that's the way that the machine uh, has been used. By the way, what we're really talking about here is quantitative modeling. Mm, so, yeah. you, you know, right. you have quant, quant portfolio managers, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right,
0: right.
1: The advantages from the machine is that the computer can uh, process vast amounts of data faster than a human or a team of humans ever possibly could. Okay. And so in strategy design, that gives you an an edge. Um, but also in running the strategy, using that machine learning on a go forward basis, okay. Where the machine puts out a decision, was it right or wrong to go long or short soybeans? Okay. And the machine's going to learn from those decisions going forward. Hmm. Uh, so you know, not necessarily beating the, the broad market, so to speak, but hey, can we make money in the soybean market on a consistent basis using this this type of uh, technology?
0: Yeah, it's not about broad markets. So it's really the quant kind of strategies, because I, I remember I did a story a few years ago about that, and they were were using, I think it was Fidelity, they were using satellite imagery to look at oil tankers in like the Gulf, you know, of wherever in the Middle East and to see how high they were off the water in, in like millimeters and inches to see how much oil they had, to see what the you know reservoirs of oil were gonna be and then how that would affect oil prices. So yeah, I mean, it's really crazy about how, how, you know, technical and just what these, these, you know, all this data and information is doing um, to investing. So I guess I get what you were saying there is that it's bringing those quant strategies down into kind of more of an ETF wrapper that's more accessible, more available, available to your retail investors and cheaper.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's the exciting part of, of where we are. Um, You know, we looked at the the AI space and just as everybody's getting excited about it, we're getting really excited about it as well. Um, And the natural thought I think is to, Uh, you know, where, how can I profit from AI, which, which companies, okay, are going to be um, making money by, you know, partaking in this AI revolution. And so a lot of times investors automatically think about, uh, well, I need to invest in, in technology companies, okay, and I can make money as technology companies make money creating AI platforms, et cetera, et cetera. We took a step back and we said, you know what, we're going to dare to seize the future, uh, if you will. And we're actually going to use the technology today uh, because we believe it is advanced enough, as we have seen, again, through hedge fund strategies and so forth, um, where it's actually producing real, word, real world benefit for investors right now. And so um, we were introduced to a group called Isla Investments. Isla is a very interesting company. They are building uh, financial indices um, and have been doing so for a long time using AI, using machine learning technology. Um, And they have some very experienced commodities traders that are part of their teams. And they have these indexes that were launched in 2017. Um, which is really interesting to us because you know we we talked just a moment ago about um, you know running these uh, machine learning technologies on reams of prior history, prior data, right? Data that's existed in the past to help the machine learn to create a a strategy that you believe is going to work well in the future. Well, after you've built that strategy, you have to press go at some point, okay? And, and then the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, which just means after you press go, does that strategy Actually, produce the way you think it's going to going forward. And because the um, indices that, that we've licensed were launched in 2017, we had that track record, that actual performance track record of the, the index is not just a back test um, published. You know, an audited track record for these investments, um, excuse me, for these indices, and we were really excited about that. And so having that historical performance in the indices gave us confidence that um, this was a real life application of machine learning technology that works. And I always got to, you know, be careful and and say, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results. And uh, we can look at what's known as the ILA SO33 index. That index is the index behind our uh, long short agriculture ETF. Um, That ticker is OAIA. And, you know, over the last six years, that index has returned 16.78% on average. Okay, that's a six-year average. Um, excuse me, that's a uh, that's a four-year average, 16.78% over the last four years. Well, year to date, it's it's down. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, there's there's times where current performance doesn't you know match historical performance. So you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, over time, we believe, given the historical performance of the index, that the uh, it was programmed in such a way that we have confidence that, that the machine will do well going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that all makes sense. And so you had, and you mentioned the ILA long, short agriculture strategy ETF. And then you also have the uh, Tucumia ILA long, short base metal strategy ETF. And so you said over the four four years, you know, it was up 16%. Some obviously it's not always going to be up, um, but over the long term it will. So with these, obviously the long and short and the kind of leveraged, with, um, ETFs. What what are the recommended? I mean, is there a recommended hold time? I know some of them don't. You want to stay for certain periods. Um, I'm interested in a little bit about kind of what are the time horizons for these funds, and then also kind of what made you go with agriculture and metals strategies.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. So, uh, really important. You mentioned leverage. Uh, neither of these strategies use use leverage. Um, they they have the ability to go uh long and short but the portfolio is is always collateralized um hundred percent so um what's to answer the question made us go for agriculture and and base metals, uh, agriculture for us, that's that's really where our roots are as a company. We've been uh, around since 2010 and talk about being niche and focused uh, with the corn, wheat, soybeans, sugar, uh, ETFs, providing exposure to, to futures markets through ETFs, again, going all the way back to 2010. And we were looking for um, a strategy that had the ability to go long and short. And and again, getting back to the idea of, uh, we're pretty confident in our ability to to manage commodity portfolios, uh, but we've been doing it long only on passive indexes. Now we have a passive index that goes long and short, um, and with the historical track record there, that's what brought us to SO33, which is the Isla Long Short Agricultural Index. Uh, base metals for us, it was uh, in a looking at the island indices, another historically. Performing index uh, that was attractive, and because base metals um, are in in the news quite a bit right now, you know, with um, green technology and, and so forth, we think there's a lot of interest in that in that segment. Um, and so, to have a strategy that can go long f- and short for somebody looking at the base metals uh, part of the commodities market, um, you know, we we have that offering for you as well. And so that's that's really what we were looking at. And I think you had another question in there that I missed, Sean. Was, was, is there something um... else to us?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think you hit you hit it pretty much on the head. And and so, yeah, I mean, maybe you could dive a little bit more into, I mean, we spoke a little bit about the agriculture. We know, you know, a lot of the two cream funds, obviously that's kind of the the bread and butter. What what did you see that interested you in the base metals strategy? Now, obviously you touched on the green things and the EVs. I know have been big um, for two cream and others. What, what do you see there in terms of the base metals?
1: Yeah, so another component, and we're writing a piece for any um, – Financial advisors that might be tuning into this It will be for financial professionals only. Um, but this piece is is looking at the concept of uh, trying to help create performance results on a risk adjusted basis that that add resiliency to a portfolio. Okay, and so the big idea here being that you know, last year was a tough year. Stocks and bonds are both down, right? And so a lot of folks are looking to incorporate commodities into their portfolios when you look at some of the wider known um, commodity indices, such as BCom, for example, they those big indices tend to be underweight agricultural commodities, but also base metal commodities. So a lot of times the commodities indices um, are going to be overweight energies uh, and precious metals. And so the paper that we're working on explores this idea of Having broad exposure to a traditional commodities index like like BCom, okay, that is going to be overweight energies and, and some precious metals, and including these strategies as kind of satellite components, as a way to get more weighting toward agricultural commodities, more weighting toward uh, base metal strategies, but also incorporating uh, the ability to go long and short to generate that alpha. And so the simple and direct answer to your question is both of these commodity segments are underutilized, in our view, when you look at the broad-based commodity indices. And so um, we think that there is the opportunity to incorporate exposure to these parts of the commodities market to help build portfolio resiliency. And by that, I mean have exposure to different assets in the commodities world that zig when when others zag right and and that's that's the idea of helping increase risk adjusted returns
0: so so how about um obviously that we mentioned at the top there's kind of two ways to go about this right the the about ai um investing right the using the actual technology and then more from a thematic point of view right so what How do you feel? I mean, what are your views on gaining exposure to the sector as a whole? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're you're very bullish on the technology. Um, Are there a lot of benefits for investors that want to kind of gain that momentum or kind of benefit from the the future potential growth in in the market?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, looking back at the, the top of the conversation, there has been a lot of money. I think you mentioned, you know, six something billion dollars in uh, when you use the ETF.com screener, by the way, a new website's excellent. <laughs> so yeah, well done on that. Um, it, it,
0: it was long coming. Yeah. We've been working on it for about a year or more now. So we're thrilled to have it up. And thanks. Thanks for that. We're happy that uh, it's getting some use from, from useful. Yeah.
1: Community. No, no, tremendous there, Sean. So well done. Um, and, and I do think that this, Technology is disruptive enough where it is going to be um, something that that folks can can profit from investing in. Okay, and and again, I am bullish on the idea that you can uh, use it to invest with, uh, such as the the indices and the the investment offerings that, that we're putting out there, using that technology to help you on your investing journey, and then investing in the companies that are building the technology. Um, you know, I'm very optimistic about the growth of, of the industry. We have to mention, though, too, I think, you know, just today I, I saw a headline um, that the White House is having a summit on AI technology. Mm-hmm. It is moving very, very fast, okay? And um, regulation has a way of slowing things down for for better or worse, right? Um, And I think there are some real concerns about just how disruptive this technology is just how powerful it can be, you know, in in the hands of uh, you know the bad guys. Let's say, um, I you know go back to Spider Man. Great power requires great responsibility, that sort of thing. Um, and so, as as optimistic I am for for the future, I I do see hurdles that that lie ahead. Um, and of course, there is that little bit unknown. You know, what if what if these these leaps and bounds um, create true artificial intelligence uh and what does that world yeah. look like you know so uh there's there's that kind of unknown element as well
0: sure yeah um we'll have to we'll have to see what the future holds but um yeah I mean any last any last thoughts before we we get going I mean I know um you know as you said there's a lot of potentials some kind of things about being you know responsible and making sure we're, we're going about in the right way and um you know where how bullish are you on on, on the future
1: of AI um on a scale of of one one to ten you know i'm I'm a hundred this right. this yeah. this is as disruptive as the wow. creation of the internet itself yeah. um for anybody that's would be a skeptic of that I you know public service announcement if you haven't tried chat GPT, <laughs> download it, try it now uh and and see for yourself where the world is going
0: yeah well well. Bigger than, than the internet, that's going to be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come back and see if, if that works out. I, I hope you're right. Um, it really, the, the, the potentials are just are boundless. I mean, I was shocked when I tried it just you know, a few weeks ago. So uh, we'll have to leave it there, Jake. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: No, thanks, Sean. It's a pleasure. All the best. We'll
0: have, we'll have to do it again very soon. Thank you, Jake. And um, thanks for everyone out there that was listening to Exchange Traded Fridays. Again, it's from ETF.com. If you'd like to go to your favorite podcast app, you can search Exchange Traded Fridays. We'll be there. You'll find us. For myself, for Jake, for the entire two Cream team, thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Take care, everyone.